This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host Nabil Mahmood from Kaluakona, Hawaii. This is your co-host Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey. And I'm Chris Downing from Charlotte, North Carolina. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. This has been way, way, way overdue. I'm glad we were able to make our calendars sync. Let's start to get to know you a little bit. Could you tell us who you are, what you do, where you're at in your career? Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for having me. It's great to it's great to have this conversation, in particular at the beginning of beginning of a new year. So happy new year to you guys and 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 to your to your listeners. So as I said, Chris Downey, I'm currently the CEO of Flexential. I've been in the data center business now for I think it's my sixteenth year. But prior to that, I I had been uh, kind of a serial CFO in, I'd say, in, in the emerging technology domain, not to, not to date myself, but I, you know, got involved with things in the, in the cable industry, the cellular industry, the satellite industry, and, you know, they've all been on their own journeys over the course of the last, uh, you know, three decades, I guess. So, you know, now at, at Flex, it's my, you know, I guess I'd call it my, my second scale adventure in the, in the data center space. I spent nine years at a company called Telex that, you know, had a that kind of a special place in and around the, the connectivity part of the, the data center value proposition and Flexential is a, is a national platform that, that, you know, kind of extends a whole host of capabilities to a whole host of customers, principally in the U.S. So I guess that's, that's quick business background, but happy to go, go further if that's of interest. Oh, oh we're yeah, going to peel you, this you, onion, Chris. We're going to oh, peel it. We're going to peel it. Good. Absolutely. You, you've got all, all, all of my attention. <laughs> so BA in history and international business. How did you get from that to finance to being a technologist? Yeah, so I guess I, I did get to my BA in, in history, which, you know, I think I was always interested in learning from learning from the past. And so I think my, I recall my senior thesis was kind of comparing the, the philosophies and the, and the, and the lives of, uh, of Mao and Gandhi, who are two very different leaders that, that are. You know, you don't usually hear Mao and Gandhi used in the same sentence. I think you might yeah, give you yeah, a doctorate I, in history if you can, if you can tie those two together. Yeah, I wish I still had that thesis paper because you know, <laughs> brain brain cells are are long gone. But but anyway, you know, learning from past experiences, I think, has always been something that you know has resonated with me. But uh, you know, really came out of college more a desire to 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 learn and you know and 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 learn from new experiences. And so I, my first work experience was I was in a, an investment banker on, on Wall Street and did, you know, the obligatory two-year boot camp at, at Bear Stearns, which existed then, does not exist now. But, but you know, as I began to focus on industries, I, I really knew two things coming out of college, you know, that I like to, you know, communicate with people and I like to be entertained. And so as I thought about, you know, industries that would be staying in resilient over the longer term, those were two areas. And I think that, you know, got me closer to, um, 
uh, you know, to the communication landscape, which ultimately, you know, led to the internet, which ultimately has a whole host of technologies that support it. So kind of, you know, through, through that investment banking career, got closer to, to those industries and then, you know, started raising private equity and debt capital for emerging technologies. Like I mentioned earlier, like cellular, which was in its infancy when I came out of college and things that, you know, weren't even thinking about the internet yet and just figuring out how to more obviously leverage, you know, wireless communications technologies. And that ultimately, you know, led me to the, the data center sector where I am today. Would, uh, would the young Chris Downey be surprised that this, this Chris Downey is so tied to technology? Did you enjoy technology as a, as a child as a, in, in, in your formative years? You know, there were, I guess in my formative years, I'd say there wasn't a lot of technology. <laughs> Horse and buggy, buggy whips. I mean, technology of the day. It's all about context. I think, I think I did have one of the first Atari game stations where I think it was Pong and, and Bricks or something that you played. I can like, feel our like, listeners like we, we like a Wikipedia what an Atari is. Exactly. But, you know, I guess I, I think that the, the, the younger Chris Downey probably would be surprised in that, you know, I didn't have, I didn't kind of go through my educational experience to focus, you know, on, on one specific area. It was more of a, you know, kind of a liberal arts, you know, education. And for that to have settled in, 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 in where I find myself today, I think is, wasn't, wasn't in the, wasn't in the cards, but, you know, I think a lot of things led me to, to where I am today. Were your, were your parents in, in finance? Is that, is that how you had your kind of trajectory to, to that? Is that, was that in the background? You know, my father was kind of in corporate finance. I think he actually did kind of real estate development for, for Denny's for a while, if you can believe that, which Denny's. was, a, you know, fast growing global enterprise. And, and, and he also worked for Grace, which was an investment bank then. So there was, there was, I guess, something in my DNA there. And my mother was, you know, effectively a legal secretary at, at, at law firms in New York, Paul Weiss and, and oh, LinkedIn. And so there was this, and, and I, I kind of grew up in the New York area. So there was this gravitational pull around, around finance. And so that, that, that kind of kicked me off in my first time foray in, in investment banking, which was about a 10 year, 10 year experience. So I did a lot in that domain a while ago. How, how is this migration from finance to getting into being a technologist and talking bits and bytes and all the technical elements of what we do. How, how was that transition for you? And, and what was the switch over? Yeah. So I guess I, I probably, while I was an investment, investment banker thought I was going to be an investment banker for the, for the rest of time, but there was a kind of a serial entrepreneur that starting up a uh, competitive local exchange carrier, a CLEC, as, as you may be familiar with the, with the acronym. And, and this was in the 2000 timeframe and I helped him build you know, the, the, the business plan and the business model that was sort of the business that, that I was in and, and helping people raise capital around that business plan, that business model. And as we're going through the exercise, you know, and I was a whopping probably 30 years of age at that juncture, you know, he asked if I wanted to be the, the CFO and I said, I don't know how to do that. And he said, you're smart, you'll figure it out. So I, I think in some regards, I was fortunate and, and lucky The luck plays a role probably in just about everything in, in life. But I was lucky to have, you know, what, what became an important mentor to me that, you know, had faith that I was going to figure it. And, and, you know, it wasn't just being a CFO, but it was about the whole, you know, operating domain, working, you know, as part of a, a team to, you know, uh, you know, accomplish, uh, 
a certain mission, you know, around, you know, at that time, obviously it was communications technology, but there was certainly a lot for me to uh, learn because, you know, investment bankers really knew nothing about how to operate a business and manage people. And so that was, that was kind of how I jumped into the, into the transition, if you will. I think the, you know, the, the interesting thing always about going from, you know, a, a large bureaucratic organization like a, like a Bear Stearns into a, that contra- entrepreneurial mindset, you know, even as a CFO, who, uh, like as part of a large company is, you know, someone that is focused entirely on numbers, but as part of a small company, it doesn't matter what your title is, right? Chief bottle washer, right? You get exposed to all different types of operational elements. What was, what was that transition like that? The transition of, you know, large institutional type of company like a Bear Stearns to even with a, a, a big, a big title that, that might have, you know, overshot what your, your skill set was at the, at, at that time to a smaller organization where you have to like dip your, dip your hands in, in different, in different pots, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, I'd say it was very, it was, it was, it was quite scary, you know, while the, 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 the CEO I mentioned had, had a lot of faith in me. I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to, I had no idea what I was getting myself into in terms of, you know, I knew what the business model was. I knew what the spreadsheet said, but, you know, I didn't know the people I hadn't managed anybody in, in, in my life. And so, um, so I kind of walked in with, you know, the, just like a blank stare, if you will, and, and just had to, you know, let, let kind of good, good decision-making be my guide, if you will, what was logical in, or practical or both, you know, in a given situation and, 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 and work through things accordingly. But I, I, I joked with my wife a couple of months ago around just this topic, because I literally was trying to find a book, you know, the kind of CFO for dummies, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you be a CFO? And for anybody that's searching for it, I don't think that book exists, but maybe, maybe it does now because that was some time ago. But, you know, I literally came in with, you know, that book under whatever book I found under one arm, but I didn't even know like how to balance, a, you know, I knew how to balance a checkbook, but I didn't know how it was done in the corporate world. And, and so I was, I actually got physical checks and, and went to the bank and was trying to figure that out, out on my own. And, and thankfully that, that same CEO said, you know, a few weeks into it, he's like, when are you going to hire a controller? And I was like, oh, I have the luxury of hiring a controller. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that. And so, you know, ultimately was, was able to, you know, really partner up with somebody that yeah, obviously reported to me, but ultimately kind of, you know, knew, knew, knew the things that I didn't know. And, and I, I was more than happy to check my ego at the door and, and, you know, kind of learn, you know, learn how I could be the, the most effective CFO given the skill sets that I did have because that controller didn't necessarily know how to raise capital and, and, you know, how to approach different investors for different opportunities. And that was really the skill set that I had developed over, over that decade, if you will. So how the, would you uh, summarize? What, this is one thing, I'm sorry. The, uh, how much of what you learned in college applied to that moment? Like they, they, you, you come out of college, you think you have this skill set, right? And, and I'm not trying to convince people not to go to college. It's just a question of whether, you know, is it the personality that that drove that? Is it is it you as a person that drove your ability to navigate that, or was it you know a particular skill that you learned you know with 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 a degree? And obviously, it's a leading question because I kind of know the answer to it. But yeah. I mean, I, I guess I and I kind of touched on it beforehand. I think it was you know the you know the the kind of the desire to 
to, to, to learn in, in different circumstances, you know, versus being trained in one specific thing. I, I went to Dartmouth College, a liberal arts college, and you were sort of, you know, I think you came out of college trained how to, how to learn and, and you know, kind of takes you know, your general learning and adapt it to different situations. So there wasn't anything like specific, like, you know, accounting or engineering that necessarily prepared me for that. I think it was just, you know, kind of recognizing that there's, you know, a whole range of perspectives in any given situation that need to be considered and, and having, you know, an open mind, you know, to kind of learn those perspectives and adapt them to, to given situations. Now you're in a CEO role. What do you think are some of your traits that have led you to where you're at today and your strengths? Yeah, I mean, I I guess I, I kind of, I mean, first of all, I, I'd say over, you know, the 20-year career, 25-year career in industry that I've had, you know, I've had some some really rough experiences and, and some good experiences and, and you know, appreciating that n- neither the rough ones or the, the good ones, you know, were, were guaranteed. You know, there's the things have been slow and, and, you know, timing is a, you know, is a major consideration, you know, that, that can lead to success or failure. So making sure that I appreciated, you know, those learnings along the way, you know, my first, that CLEC experience I referenced before at about a two and a half year life before the telecom meltdown, you know, kind of blew it up and probably a hundred other, if not a thousand other companies. And, you know, I saw a company that I'd you know, poured a lot of energy into evaporate, you know, really over the course of two, two months, you know, where, you know, 200 people were let go before Christmas. And, and, you know, that was, yeah, I, I view that as one of the, you know, one of the, a great learning for me and that, you know, things, well, you know, you kind of think you spend a lot of money on things and that, 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 that is sustainable in, in, in and of itself, but it can, you know, it can be eviscerated, you know, almost instantaneously based on either bad events or bad decisions or, 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 or what have you. So, you know, making sure that in each one of my, you know, adventures, if you will, course of my career, you know, there were, there were takeaways and I, and I, I'd say I use all those, you know, takeaways in, in, in what, um, you know, what I'm doing today at, at Flexential, you know, I've been fortunate to be in this industry now for over 15 years. And so while data centers existed before, you know, I got into the industry in 07, I'd say the whole, you know, the whole investment, you know, kind of thesis in, in the industry, I, I like to think the industry sort of grew up as I grew up within it. So I'd like to think I, I kind of have learned more than, more than most, or as, as much as many, I guess, maybe I could also say, you know, in the, in the industry. So but I, you know, I, I pride myself in, in my integrity and, you know, and, and, and it's an, and it's te- integrity, not just about character and, and, and really following through on what you, what you commit to, but, you know, the integrity of decision-making, the integrity of, of relationships and, 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 you know, and I, and I hope that has resonated with those that I've, I've dealt with. Cause I think, I think integrity speaks volumes, you know, every every individual or every company is going to be faced with with things it's never seen before and it's really kind of leveraging you know that uh, you know kind of the 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 integrity that you built up over time to tackle the challenges that's been kind of core part of crystalline if you will so one thing i'm struck by and i've always been struck by by you is the 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 kind of accessibility that you have as a ceo in your level i mean i think 
it's difficult to to state it just by reading off a resume. I mean, you're one of the rare people in our industry that is 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 a legend, not just in their own head. I am a legend in my own head only. You are an actual legend. You know, it's a you go from from te- telex to a, a just tiny transaction with DRT. I don't know what the what the number was, but it's 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 pocket change at this point. And and you take that to Flex Central, and I think most most people would think that. If you had those 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 giant type of transactions in your career, that it would it would impact you in a way where you wouldn't put yourself out there. You know, you wouldn't you know just be as accessible at events at at, at any of these things as as you have always been. And that's something that I think your employees probably appreciate that you're there, you're in it with them. How much of that? Kind of camaraderie has been, you know, uh, a kind of uh, case in point of maybe your brand of of leadership that might be unique to what some other people like. When did you ever see the CEO of Bear Stearns? Uh, probably not, not, not often enough in uh, in your role. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for that. And uh, you know, I I think that it's been important for me to, you know, I, I guess you know I mentioned earlier that you know kind of the check your ego at the door because, you know, I know in, in almost every situation, there's somebody that's done it better than me or has done it bigger than me or, or knows, you know, potentially how to do it, do it better than, better than me in a, in a given circumstance. So, you know, kind of, kind of coming into situations and meeting, you know, anybody, you know, whether it's in the company or in the industry and presuming simply because I've had you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a good event that, that I'm, I'm somehow, you know, in a different class than, than that individual or that employee, I think is, you know, quite frankly, foolish. And so, you know, I, I, you, you probably have seen from some of my kind of LinkedIn missives and stuff that I'm a bit of a, bit of a rugby nut. And, you know, I, I played in college and I, and I really, I, I think what I loved about that sport was, you know, there, it was obviously, you know, kill the person with the, with the ball sport, which I probably loved it since I was a little kid, but you know, there's an ethos there of, you know, of, of teamwork and strategy and, and, you know, every, every player having a, a position on the field that's critical to the team's success. And, and I've leveraged that ethos at, at Flex in particular, where, you know, and there's simple mantras that I've, I've used one that I currently focus on is, is really side by side. Matt, you know, there's, there's nobody in, in the company that's more important than anybody else. And so I don't know how to do your job and you don't know necessarily how to do my job. The only way that we're successful as a team is if we both play our, you know, respective positions. And that could be an AP clerk to a CEO, to a salesperson, to, to, you know, our chief innovation officer or what, or what have you. And so, you know, I've tried to, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, kind of always kind of keep that in mind, you know, as I'm gauging with anybody in the company or outside the company, because I certainly, you know, I've had my experiences and some of them have been quite, quite good, but that, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily, you know, give me, give me the right to, to be dismissive or not recognize that there's perspectives that I could continue to learn. Yeah, I think one of the key things that you addressed earlier and talked about was to leave your ego behind. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and be respectful and empathetic to people. I think that's really, you know, for, for the amount of time I've known you, I think that's really, uh, what makes you unique. Unfortunately, you know, once people end up, end up having massive cash outs 
or they get to a certain level in their career, their egos get bigger than who they really are and they start to disconnect from the general populace. So thank you for being you. Uh, we could all, all right. just be like so a little Christiana. Exactly. Plus your your flexing goes really well with flexential. I mean, that's it's, that's it's perfect. It's the rugby the rugby thing works. Look at those. Look at yeah. those guns. Oh yeah. my god. All right. Let's let's talk a little bit about tech. Where do you think we are headed? There's a lot of crazy stuff that's happening around. We've got a lot of initiatives. Biggest challenge that we've got right now in in the space is carbon carbon neutrality. Everybody's talking about it. Where do you think we are headed with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I I think things are very very and in this perhaps to state the obvious very different now than when I came into the industry and. In 07, you know, the raw materials that, you know, that tech relies on were, you know, in abundance. And and I think, you know, just given the the incredible growth of, of tech and the raw materials that it consumes, that, uh, you know, that, that the landscape is changing in terms of how you need to think about, you know, future growth and, you know, raw materials or land power network people. And, and so, you know, I guess my point is kind of looking back to then, I'm thinking about very, very different things now, you know, on the, on the kind of the, the, the sustainability front and, you know, ESG in general, I think it's, it's great to have seen that come into the, uh, you know, come into the, 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 the front windshield, if you will, of, of the industry and, and, and of, uh, of us, you know, as leaders and executives, because we're in a position to, to, to do something about it. You know, I don't think there's anything I can do that's, that's necessarily gonna make, you know, change the, change the outcome materially, but I, you know, can make commitments to play my part, you know, with the, with the, you know, the resources and the decision-making that's, that's available to me. And I've been, you know, happy to be able to do that because it's important to, you know, to me as a person, to me as a, you know, father with a daughter that has to, you know, kind of live in the, whatever world we, we, we leave our, our kids and, you know, and as a steward of, you know, an employee base that worked hard to, 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 to keep, you know, kind of to, to live up to those commitments. So it's been, yeah, as it relates to the whole ESG front, it's, I've been, I've been happy to, and, and appreciative to be able to play, play a role in that, if you will. Yeah, we talk about this all the time. You know, one of the one of the unique elements of our industry versus, say, you know, the finance industry or the legal industry is sustainability and and you know, power costs are such a core component of our clock structure in the data center world. We use so much power in the data center world that yes, of course, there's no there's no question that you know you want to make sure that that you're benefiting future generations and you know a clean earth and everything, but. Just from a from a from a financial perspective, it, it makes sense. It it can't be performant out of space in our in our industry because the 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 future of our cost structures, the margins and 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 all that are significantly you know benefited by maximizing efficiency. Uh, so you know the 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 better you design these these sites, the more efficiently they run. You know, so we we have the unique industry where valuations and 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 margins kind of align with. Uh, with ESG more more than most, and I think the the reason I mention that point so much is because I think that in and of itself could potentially be a draw to the younger generation who is obviously focused so much on on you know the environment and 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 ESG, and to know that as an industry we are not just saying words like they are in in other industries where they're buying carbon offsets and doing all sorts of you know, other performative elements. We actually want to build 
a more efficient ecosystem, whether that means, you know, taking some of the the heat that's generated in the data centers and using it to power homes and communities or trying to, you know, leverage renewable energy in in a way that makes us more self-sustaining and, and you know, sets, sets you know, the, the our industry up for the future. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with all of that. You know, when I, when I, when I talk about, or when I get this question, you know, one of the things that I make sure I say before, kind of get into what we're doing now is that I think we, we've been in the, you know, kind of in the efficiency business as it relates to power, you know, the, the whole time the industry has been here, I think relative to, you know, the, the alternatives of, you know, legacy enterprise class data centers, you know, that, or telco closets that are in the corner of a building that, you know, are, are, are not using their power efficiently at all relative to the PUEs that we've been managing to for, for a decade. So, you know, we've been, you know, that, that is a key, you know, raw material of ours and, and it's, and it leads to better margins if we leverage it efficiently. And so we've been, we've been very efficient with it to date. Can we, can we be even better? Yes. And I think that's what we're certainly focused on today as well. And, you know, I, and I also, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, the, the data center business exists today because you know, a lot of, a lot of things that historically, you know, were in a physical form are now in the digital form, and they need to, you know, they need to live somewhere and they live in data centers and power is necessary to, to uh, ourselves and, included. I mean, we used to have to like physically be in the same room to have one of these conversations and we no longer yeah. have to. But I, you know, I think the industry's, you know, now getting a bit of a bad rap because we're, you know, such large, you know, power, power, cameras, but that power is necessary to house, you know, the, the digital information, the digital applications that everybody, you know, lives and breathes and exists with. And so you have to, you have to be careful to, to, to make sure you appreciate and understand what you're, what you're criticizing, because, you know, I think this industry, you know, data centers exist for a reason. They exist for a very good reason. Can we, can we be better? Yes. But, you know, let's not lose sight of the fact that, um, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that used to be in the physical domain that we all rely on are now relied upon in, in the, in the work. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's, that's part of the demystification, right? I mean, I think people look at data centers as though they just sprung up and it's just another one of those things that are using power when in reality, it's just aggregating all the power that we will have had, we would have had in all these, you know, different uh, sections that you don't have the ability to control in the same way that we are, you know, have a fiduciary responsibility to control beyond just, you know, our responsibility as citizens of the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the industry has grown probably bigger and faster than anybody even contemplated. So, you know, that is creating probably a, 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 a dis, proportionate bias to how, you know, that, that raw material powers as being, is being consumed relative to what else it needs to be consumed. Just stop hosting all those Bitcoin miners, Chris, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the FTX. I think that's <laughs> going to solve itself out. So I, I think Chris, we are actually a very unique time right now with all this innovation and fun technology with autonomous vehicles and AI coming into our lives. What are some of the, the technology stacks or platforms that you're looking at for the very near future? Well, you know, one of the things I've said to people is that, you know, while, you know, certainly the, 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 the technological advancement that has driven the growth in the data center industry has, has been, you know, amazing. The, the data center itself hasn't evolved 
from a technology perspective, uh, from a physical perspective in terms of the, you know, the, the, the generators, the switch gear, you know, the, 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 the floors, the walls, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of pretty much the same as today as it was a, a decade ago. Yes, it's probably, you know, it's improved upon its efficiencies and in that infrastructure and it's, and it's certainly bigger. But, you know, there haven't been, you know, kind of these, you know, game changing technologies uh, on, on the physical side in our industry. You know, we, we provide some, I'd say, some more virtualized compute resources to our, to our customers because, you know, I think that's just a, you know, a, a, a natural evolution of, of, you know, what the data center needs to enable, you know, for, for its customers. But, you know, I think making sure that they, they have access to the, to, in an automated fashion to the latest and greatest technologies that are out there. We're not, we're not, you know, innovating new compute. We're, you know, we're, we're probably innovating ways to, for them to gain access to, to those, to those resources. You're innovating ways for them to consume the stuff that you're selling. Yes. So, you know, I kind of don't think that we're, you know, we, innovation for us is, a, is about innovation and creative ways to enable. It's not about creating you know, it, new technologies. It's more about new ways of doing things than new technologies, if you will. One of the things that we see all the time, we talk about, and it's a, one of the missions of our you know, Nomad Futures Foundation is trying to get, you know, the next generation of leaders into our industry. And and we always talk about the fact that, you know, we have an industry that has tons of sub-verticals, you know, whether you're a technologist or you don't have to be like a a, a computer guy necessarily to enter you know, the critical infrastructure or data center industry, there's marketing, there's business, there's all legal, there's a, there, there's a ton of ways that you can participate and actually see the fruits of your labor acutely in, in a way that you can't with with many other industries. Do you see that as, as an issue? I mean, look, we've been at the same events together for the last, you've been in this thing for 16 years, probably six, 15 years and nine months. We've been we've been going to the to the same industry events. I have aged a lot less gracefully than you have, clearly, as as anyone can tell that looks at the top of my head. But, you know, the, the, the question really is, is, have we as an industry done enough to try to foster the next generation of, of leaders, not just you know, the, the data center technicians, you know, working on the floor, which are obviously a human resource that, that we're in desperate need of, but, but the, the leadership of our organizations as we, as we try to, you know, pave the pathway for Chris Downey to one day retire. I, you know, I, 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 as you were asking the question, I was, you know, I was thinking that there's a lot of, you know, when I'm talking to people in the industry, everybody knows what a data center is, what it does and, and why. But when I talk to anybody outside the industry, you get a bit of a blank stare as to what is a data center? You know, although it, you know, it enables these things that we I can't see. Right. <laughs> you know, these phones or a small laptop that happens to allow you to make calls on it. But, you know, you get a blank stare because nobody knows, you know, what it is and how this stuff works and where information, you know, lives while it's not being used. And so I think there's, there's a lot more education that can, be done for people to recognize that you know they can participate in in you know what we do in our industry because they they're probably they're not thinking about it you know they'll they'll probably see what an Amazon is doing or what a Google is doing simply because they're such massive you know marketing machines but in terms of the but even then the regular person on the street if you ask them what Amazon is doing they'll just say it's you know that's where I buy my groceries or where I buy my my stuff my batteries my books my what it was like books anymore, but all I, you know, it's, it's, 
It's uh, it's who it's who I yell at to go play music uh, in, in in my kitchen. So you know, I I I I hear you, and I think it's obviously it's our our core mission. But I wonder if there's a way for us just to create an educated consumer. I mean, you see it in in your house, you know, or I, I'm still like the CTO of my family, right? I'll have my sister and calling me and say, what laptop should I buy? Or, you know, what's, what's something's wrong with my computer? I don't know what to do. And and at the end of the day, everyone is running kind of a mini data center in their house and connectivity is so important. But what it goes out, if your Verizon Fios connection goes out, everyone just, they just start banging on the, the computer or banging on the laptop. My wife does it to this day. Yep. She'll just start like hitting the keyboard harder to see if that will make it work. And it's like, if for no other reason than to create uh, a, 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 just a better consumer, people that are capable of troubleshooting or critical thinking in their own, you know, based on the technologies that are so important. Uh, and I think we need to get to them obviously younger and younger and make it part of like a real kind of a core education platform as, yeah. we, as we make technology work. Yeah, we've had some experiences over the last couple of years at, at Flux Central, and one being, you know, we've got a big presence in Denver. So the the dean of the the the, the Denver Business School, the Daniels School of Business, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get the name of the program wrong. But I think it's like a digital innovation curriculum within the business school, really to build, you know, strength and and, and awareness of understanding of what what we're talking about here. And so, and that 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 doesn't exist today. Well. Uh, I'd say that was my first experience where, you know, that was a focus area. It, it might exist in certain other areas, but I think that that I saw as a great opportunity for for those that participate in the curriculum, but for us to to engage with that and kind of hope people kind of understand where how this all works and where we fit in, and because that's like it's a huge part of you know where the you know where the proverbial puck is going. So exactly. Well, that's that's a perfect segue in breaking this out. That Nomad Future is going to be launching its online academy by the end of the quarter. Oh, awesome! I even think that I even think that is a little old. Like we're trying to target like like people right now, especially during the pandemic. My kids, I have a I have a a six year old and a ten year old. You know, they were all online during the pandemic. They all know how Google Classroom works. They know how Zoom works in many cases better than than most adults. They, so they understand how technology works. They don't understand why technology works because it's just not part of, you know, their, their education. So, you know, that's our, our goal is to try to, to, to increase that for sure. With everything that's happening in the space with diversity and inclusion being at the forefront, education and human capital deficit being a concern as we progress and technology becoming second nature and muscle memory for everybody and more and more of devices and people being connected. What would you suggest the younger generation to look into? based on your experiences, what's next? Well, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'd, I'd encourage people to, you know, to ask questions and recognize there's a lot to, a lot to learn. When you asked your question there and you, you talked about, you know, eight or 10 different, different things that are all, that all play a part in being a successful leader or a successful, you know, participant in whatever, whatever role you're playing. So, you know, kind of check your ego at the door and understand that, you know, there's, there's, you're never going to know everything. And so there's, there's something to learn from everyone. And you, you mentioned like, you know, diversity and inclusion. I mean, that it, it's been a fantastic topic, but that it really, you know, came into the light in the course of the last, you know, three, three years. And, you know, and thankfully, you know, thankfully so, but you know, that, that's an area where, you know, one of the things on the kind of the diversity front that I learned 
more about and it was an aha moment for me was about unconscious bias. You know, we've we've been brought up a certain way and I don't want to say we were trained a certain way, but we, you know, we think how we, you know, sort of grew up and we need to sort of recognize that we have these unconscious biases that we need to, you know, recognize and kind of put in their place and and make sure that we're, you know, keeping an open mind and and, and learning. And I think, you know, that obviously is around, you know, diversity, but I think every part of your question is about, you know, keeping an open mind and appreciating different perspectives and not, not assuming, you know, based on, based on ego that your way is absolutely the right way. There's probably a better way that you need at least to consider. So, and, and again, one of the things, one of the things that from a DNI standpoint, I think the, the, the conversation is similar to ESG and other things, you know, it's always traditionally been a checkbox. But if you can reframe it as, you know, in order to continue to evolve products that are meaningful to a broader, you know, set group of people, you need to have people at the table whose lived experience inform, you know, how they leverage those products. You know, people are, are products of their environments, right? So inevitably, you're just not going to have the knowledge. Yes, I mean, the self-awareness of, of recognizing that we all have our own unconscious biases because... That's just a product of how we were raised in, in our environment. But inevitably, like we need people from different areas of the globe, different socioeconomic backgrounds that leverage technology, leverage things that live in, in our data centers in ways that, that, you know, we couldn't possibly contemplate. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Great having you. And I look forward to seeing you soon one of these days. Now, thank you for letting me share some thoughts and look forward to seeing you guys in person soon. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.